Good morning. All right. Exciting, exciting. It's actually the first time I ever used a laptop, so who knows what might happen. But <laughs> I'll probably knock it over. I'm a paper guy still. Who's paper guy? Anybody? All right. All right. I know. It's starting to show my age, right? <laughs> but um, excited to be here this morning. And yes, first and foremost, introduce my beautiful, wonderful, lovely wife, Shannon. I waited 40 years for the promised land, right? And, and finally, finally here. No, but uh, it's been wonderful. We're coming up on two years on July 5th, so we're, we're excited. And uh, she is a full-time art teacher in New York City. So we both have a heart for the next generation and loving the boys and girls of New York City. And uh, she, she was on the completely other side of Brooklyn uh, teaching art. And then God moved her five minutes literally from the projects that I work in in New York City. So we have a little bit of overlap with some of the fifth and sixth graders. And uh, it's, it's such a wonderful time to be able to walk hand in hand in ministry. And I know many of you have prayed earnestly and many prayers for my wife. So here's the result. <laughs> but we believe for great things to come, uh, even greater things to come. So. I know Mrs. R wanted the entire love story, but <laughs> we'll have a one-on-one. No, <laughs> all right. But um, just first of all, thank you guys all for uh, your support, both as, as a church and as family, even more than just a church, but as, as family and individually, many of you guys, um, both financially and along as well as I know, prayers on prayers on prayers. And so that I'm extremely grateful for, and I, I never take it for granted um, in that sense that I know that you guys have been in my corner literally since day one, many of you, right? So I've already heard some of the stories about changing my diapers. Thank you, Lori Charteau. <laughs> so, all right. And uh, I know we have so many memories of uh, just the Lansing area and what God has done uh, here and what he's done in me, and, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful. There's so many, so many things we could talk about, about, you know, digging in the Schrader's backyard and building pools with tarps and, <laughs> and doing all these kind of crazy things. I know uh, at the Bell Dory's letting me put in the garage door. I don't know how Leonard even trusted us to put in the garage door because we definitely broke it the first time. And he said, it's all right, you always keep learning. That was before... YouTube, right, Leonard? <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't look anything up on YouTube. We didn't know what we were doing. But Leonard always trusted us with some random work project. <laughs> and so, but grateful for all the different uh, experiences here and, and believe uh, that God really used this, this place, the, but more than a place and more than an area, used you as people to shape my lives. And uh, so there's many of you that have known me before I was born, just like God, hallelujah. You know, you know, I was speaking tongues in my mother's womb because, because y'all know my mother, right? So <laughs> um, I always say that, the little John the Baptist, something was happening inside my mom's womb for sure. But, uh, but also, um, it's great to see new faces here and exciting uh, to see what God is doing here. And I know it's July 4th weekend, which is probably the worst weekend in Michigan <laughs> to come in as a guest speaker and, or, or just, just because... Everybody evaporates up north, right? Is that kind of the deal, right? But, but I'm happy to be here. It was kind of a last-minute decision. Uh, I think 
maybe one week ago at the last minute. Um, of course, Shannon's been asking me. She's like, I got to get out to see the roots, where you came from, all this country boy stuff. You know, as we walk in some of the parks in New York and I reach down and grab a wild raspberry and she's like, don't eat that. What is that? I'm like, it's okay. It's a wild raspberry. Like, I know what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Michigander in me comes out a little bit, right? And so... Uh, She's definitely a city girl, but I, I love it, and we're committed uh, just to New York City and, and the boys and girls of New York City, and she's born and raised in Queens, New York, so I say my queen from Queens, you know, all right, and, and I brought her to Brooklyn, and she, you know, it's a little bit, sometimes a little fight between the boroughs, it's almost like that Michigan, Michigan state, but, <laughs> but she's happy to be in Brooklyn now which is Kings County, by the way. So, you know, we got kings and queens <laughs> over in New York City. Uh, and I, I always, uh, I think, I, I can't remember. I've, I've been here a handful in the last thing. It's kind of a three or four year span, I think, of when I seem to show up. Uh, but now that she's experienced your hospitality, she's like, we got to be there a little longer. Unfortunately, we have to be back um, for the fifth and sixth. We got a few commitments there. Um, but... Uh, yeah, if we could have stayed longer, especially for the memorial for Pastor Lou, um, so much, right, that Pastor Lou has planted in this place, but again, more than in this place, in each of our hearts, um, in each of our lives, and so many things, besides all the vocabulary words that I learned, <laughs> right, so I'll never forget podunk, so now, and I, sometimes I have to refer to a place back in Michigan, when I went to school in Perry, it was just a podunk little city, podunk USA, right? No, but um, some of those words and how he always urged and encouraged us, right? Those things on and on. And even, even uh, I came in and visited some of my friends in, in Taylor University uh, down in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as Tom mentioned, and... Uh, one of my friends there, a good friend again for the last 20 years through, through college, and we had some great times building there in college, and he asked me, he said, and how's, how's the pastor up in Michigan? He said, the one who gave me a kiss. <laughs> but needless to say, he said, he also prefaced, prefaced that by saying, I may be a little bit of a weird bird, and, and then I think that, that was one of his phrases, right? You might... But how many of you guys know that that weird bird impacted our lives, right? And, and now is sitting there, as you said, with the great cloud of, of witnesses, right? And so I just remember so many things um, from this place and so thankful and grateful for it. The early morning prayer meetings, you're right, prayer, DNA. I remember going there. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how old I was. But some of those 5 a.m., 6 a.m. prayer meetings with Pastor Lou and and just uh, the encouragement that he was. And even as, we, as I walked into really what is a part of my destiny and my future and, and kingdom kids that we started here. And yes, Dan was the impetus, but what an amazing pastor that would get on the school bus and pick up the kids so that we could walk out the ministry and, and the call of God for our lives. Uh, I think it, it touches me deeply because that's exactly how Pastor Bill operates. Pastor Bill Wilson, 75 this year, constantly on the front lines, but when he comes back to New York, he gets on the school bus and he drives to pick up kids. And so I've had pastors that knew that leadership wasn't about authority and power, but about serving, right? And so what an example and um, what a privilege it is 
to be a part of, of so, so, something just like this, that Josh's little greenhouse, as we've called it, right? So thankful so much for that. Um, Leonard, I was talking about how you trusted me with the garage door, and I busted it, but you still trusted me. So <laughs> I think the warranty's well passed, <laughs> but appreciate appreciate you and appreciate each and every one of you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I think I, I, for some of you guys that don't know me, I mean, uh, Tom shared a little bit about what we about my upbringing here, definitely from the grassroots, born and raised right here in Lansing, uh, and then out here on the dirt road on Braden Road, right? So <laughs> we drove by it, and uh, it's amazing to just see, uh, yeah, what God is doing in this place, and, and just to have so many memories. Like, it, really, when you come back and, and see that, all of a sudden, God starts to bring things back. And it's amazing to see his faithfulness through, through the ages. Um, so r- really, God planted those seeds of kids' ministry and ministry in my heart through the Kingdom Kids ministry, uh, what we did here in the inner city of Lansing, and the bus ministry that we had, and all these things. And I'd always known about it, for those of you who don't know, catching a few of you guys up that haven't heard my story. And then after Taylor University, um, I actually didn't know what else to do in my life. I was said, God, what's next? And actually, right before I ended up going to New York City, I worked at a bakery. <laughs> now, I, I thought, God, what am I doing with my life? I'm, I thought I was, I graduated with urban ministry. Aren't I supposed to be out ministering? Aren't I supposed to be? Um, but God uh, just showed me in that time, just kind of humbled me in many ways. Um, and I just called out to him, and, and, and then he led me to New York City. I thought, hey, I might as well go. They ha- we, have, we have an internship for four months, uh, and you guys are welcome to come, anybody, young ones. We actually have some 60-year-olds too, so you never know, <laughs> right? Uh, but I just did an internship for four months and thought, hey, I don't know what this will be like. I have no clue. I never really liked the East Coast. I always thought the West Coast was cooler with their you know, low riders and palm trees and all that good stuff. <laughs> but, but I ended up in, on the East Coast, and God really struck my heart uh, from day one. I remember during my internship, which is literally 20 years ago now, if I can say that, wow, it's like two decades just past of being in New York City. Um, and I remember one young lady coming up to me uh, after we had cleaned up. We had done a whole week of outreaches and ministry. We, did a, we had a whole bunch of hundreds of kids coming through. And she just looked at me and she said, Josh, you were born for this. And... At that moment, I didn't really think about it, um, but then as time went on, you guys know when you hear a word, and it's not just a word from a person, but a word from God, right? And that just uh, began to resound in my ears and in, and in my heart even more so. And so, yeah, that, I, I realized, man, I really am born for this. This is what God has designed me for in, in so many different ways. And so I've just seen over the years how God has used me uh, in, at Metro in so many different ways, had so many different opportunities um, to be a part of, of what God is doing there in the city. Uh, Metro, for you, some of you who don't know, Pastor Bill Wilson, uh, the founder, so his testimony in short, I'm going to try to keep it within a time frame, I know we got time here, right? But um, in, in short, he, at 12 years old, he never knew his father, um, his mother was uh, just drunk and, and wasn't really a part of his life, 
And at one point, she just said when he was 12 years old, hey, sit here on the corner. I'll be back for you. And then she left, and she never came back. Uh, three days went by, and a Christian man whose own son was in the hospital stopped by because he had saw him and just said, are you okay? And he, through his stutter, at that time he had a stutter, and he just kind of said, no, I'm, I'm hungry. And he took him home. His wife got him a meal and sent him to a Christian camp. And for the first time ever, he heard the gospel message. And so he received Jesus, and, and then his life just changed. He uh, was a part of that church, lived in the church for a while, and then things developed over the years. Um, he worked with Tommy Barnett out when he was in Davenport, Iowa, um, and then eventually moved to New York City uh, in 1980, pretty much right when I was born. I was born for this. Come on. <laughs> right? So it was interesting. But he uh, moved there because he said, hey, kids don't get to choose where they grow up. Kids don't get to choose their environment. Uh, kids get, don't get to choose their parents. And sometimes kids get great parents, and we're thankful and grateful for Kim and Barry Lee. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, I know to whom much is given, much is expected. And so I just took it as an opportunity for me to be able to say, hey, how can I walk out the same love and wonderful family atmosphere? How can I be there for some of the kids and families that may have not had that, right? And so, um, yeah, Pastor Bill went to the worst of the worst. New York City was uh, it was full of crack and craziness and gangs and murders. Um, it's improved, despite what you hear on probably Fox News. <laughs> but, but it's a lot, a lot improved from the 80s. It's still, it's still though, um, in, in many ways, there's many areas uh, that are dangerous, that are, um, that it's, it's, I consider it a mission field, right? I know a lot of people say, oh, it's New York City, it's America. But to me, it's still a mission field. And, and that's why we've chose to live life on mission. People a lot of times are like, how can I get out of New York City? Uh, just because it's the hustle, the bustle, and the wildness, and all the different things. Uh, but we're choosing, hey, how can we plant ourselves here again, even more so now as, as we're married, and how can we minister to the community, the families uh, that we come into contact with every day. And so it's an adventure. On the streets, uh, we're known as Yogi Bear. I know it sounds a little strange. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard that before. Uh, although Metro World Child is the official name, right? Uh, but on the streets, like any good, anybody from the streets, you got to have a street name, you know? That's why I get, I don't know, my parents gave me Jerome. That kind of fit my, my street name but, and then my, as my middle name. Um, but on the streets, we're known as Yogi Bear. And it's very interesting because that was the first costume in 1980. He thought, how can I just get kids to gather them together to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel? And that was the, the costume in the 80s. That was the cartoon, right? So he got a costume, a Yogi Bear costume, put it on probably a drug dealer and made him dress up and paid him 20 bucks. And, and, and all the kids would come just to see Yogi Bear. Of course, there was no social media. So everybody wanted to come see Yogi Bear back then. Couldn't just pull it up on your phone, right? And so... Um, yeah, that, that was, this is, it's kind of crazy how that's evolved. And over the years, we've tried a little bit to try to, okay, we're going to call it Metro World Kids, or we're going to try to, but for some reason, it's stuck just because of the impact that it's had on those, probably those first the decade uh, where Pastor Bill just planted. And in those times in the 80s, I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. He's seen murders right in front of his face just because of everything that was going on in New York City at that time. 
And um, it's interesting how God uses that simple, something so simple as Yogi Bear just to be a, uh, an instrument and a tool to reach boys and girls and, and really communities and families for Christ, right? And so I, I often say that in a funny way that Yogi Bear has saved my life several times. <laughs> and ultimately, I mean Jesus, right, uh, through that. But um, there's been times where I've been on the street. I remember, and maybe some of you have heard this story before, but on the street, I, I was right after Hurricane Sandy, and I was riding my bike around the streets, and I said, I just want to go kind of check out. It was kind of eerie, a little bit like our orange haze from Canada the other day. I don't know if you all right? You guys are getting a little bit of that smoke. Sometimes when, when New York, when something happens kind of widespread like that, the streets are just kind of like, what's happening? And after Hurricane Sandy, none of the public transportation, the subway trains were running and everything. So it was kind of quiet, and quiet is not good. I know out here, Shannon's trying to figure out, interpret the quietness out here. She's like, it's really quiet. <laughs> Why is there only like two people in that restaurant or like that, like... Who else came with me? I think my friend, he was like, I remember when we first ate in New York City, and literally me and Shannon are sitting here, him and his uh, wife are sitting here. Was it Benny? I think it was Benny, right? And then the next people are sitting right here. They have nothing to do with us, but they're listening right in. Our co- I mean, not really listening. We don't care, but you're sitting right next to, on top of somebody, right? So you are used to so many people and so much noise, uh, but when New York gets quiet, it's a little strange. And so right after that, Hurricane Sandy was strange, but I'm... A little bit adventuresome. I don't know where that came from. Probably the woods out here, you know, we exploring and seeing things. And uh, so I was riding my bike out, and there was a, just two guys on the corner, and all red, which is back then a little bit of an interesting thing. But they said, hey, yo, come on over here. And so Josh was like, okay, sure. And so I pulled my bike over there, and one of the guys stuck his hand in his jacket pocket, and I don't know, 50-50. Could have been his hand, could have been something else. And he just stuck it at me and he said, get off the bike or you're going to feel the heat. I know a little bit of slang, enough slang to understand that he's like, I got a gun and you're going to give me the bike or we're going to have an issue. And at that moment, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a freeze and stuff like that. Um, We always say our our Yogi Bear shirt is a bulletproof vest in the hood because when people see it, they know you. But this was not a normal ministry day. I didn't have my Yogi Bear shirt on. And at that moment, I just kind of said, hey, you can have the bike. It's not about the bike, bro. But I just want you to know I'm from Yogi Bear. <laughs> and the guy next to him goes, yo, leave the man alone. This is a man of God. And, and then they just started talking and hanging out with me. Da-da-da. Changed the entire situation right there. Yogi Bear, ultimately God, right? Saved the entire day and just made it, switch the whole atmosphere, switch the situation. Uh, I think the one who was like, yeah, I got a Christmas present from you one year or something, right? So all these different things, but amazing to see just the presence of 40 years of faithfulness in the same place where we've been in these neighborhoods and just how God um, really protected me in that moment, right? And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So I say God uses the foolish things like Yogi Bear to confound the wise. I don't know if you ever translated the verse that way before, but God can use Yogi Bear to confound the wise or the wisdom of this world, right? And so normally you wouldn't just stand up to somebody who pretended they or or does have a gun. I don't know. I didn't ask to see it. I didn't ask, is that your hand or is that a gun? We didn't get that far, but 
Um, but yeah, it's amazing to see how God's hand of protection in. And I, and I remember specifically Pastor Lou praying for me about those kind of things, to, to just protect Josh from the craziest, weirdest situations that he might not be expecting, but protect him in those things. And so I believe that those things and many other stories are just answers to prayers that you have all have prayed here for me. And so, again, thank you for all those things. Um, I want to show a couple of pictures just so you kind of have an idea. I think we got some queued up back there. Let's see if we, yeah, that was the wedding, if you didn't catch it. Yep, our wonderful, beautiful, that was a rooftop wedding. Like I said, we don't have a lot of space, so we just make whatever, whatever works, works. So we were on the rooftop. I think it was 95 degrees. I was, oh, it was hot. It felt like that, the roof. And, um, but I always say, but I had the hottest woman to go along with the hottest day. Come on, right? So let's go. All right. Oh, you could turn it back, too. I just want to see the little uh, thing that I'm waving there. She, her family is from Dominica, which is a, I thought, you know, I was, loved geography and I thought I knew all about all geography. This is a little island, not to be confused with the Dominican Republic, a little island, about 80,000 people in the Caribbean. And so her, her parents migrated there uh, in the 1980s, or migrated to New York City, and that's why she ended up. So who knew God would have brought her all the way from the island, her parents from the island, it's a whole story, right? God writes our stories. He loves it. So, all right, all right, enough. I mean, yes, I could talk all day, but <laughs> did that minute. Yeah, this is our uh, indoor bus ministry. So we bring in kids at, uh, every week during our semester and lots of fun. You can flip through. I think there's a couple of there. It's a great time. We got a little stage in the middle now, which is kind of fun, you know, um, but preaching the word of God. I love, some of my favorite time is uh, like the top picture there where you see kids worship, uh, young kids that, again, many of them don't come from Christian homes or a Christian background, and this is their first chance to really hear the gospel, interact with it, teach them just how to worship, how to uh, really come in tune to uh, what God has for their lives. Yeah, what else do we got in there? We got right there, worship. Come on, worship time, prayer. It's amazing, right, to see kids in the presence of God. Something that was planted here, thankful again for all the things. But we believe, that's right, as Tom said, they may be small in stature, but the same Holy Spirit lives in these kids. And it's amazing to see that time and time again. Uh, and then this is our sidewalk Sunday school outreach. So we have a truck like this. The truck actually folds down into the stage. That was, the, um, that was actually the day, uh, one of the days of all that Canadian smoke. So we didn't put the full stage down because people were like, stay inside, don't do this, don't do that. We said, we're still going to go out. And so it was just a little bit different uh, that day. But you can see the Yogi Bear or the Bear logo kind of that we, we still use because it's just a, a powerful tool to bring kids together and, and really families together. Uh, yeah, what else we got? And me and Shannon there with some of the kids. This is a wonderful family. of. These are the younger one of 14. Oh, my same mom and dad, God bless them. <laughs> God bless the mama who kept having kids, right? And so, yes, and right there, um, oh, go back real quick. Just this corner where you can see the address up there, 293 Dumont. Um, it was probably six or seven years ago, an article in the, the Daily News, which is kind of like 
well, I kind of call it the tabloid newspaper of New York, but <laughs> but because they always have something on the front cover that makes you want to buy it. <laughs> so, um, but they they had a study from the NYPD in there, and they said that that was literally the worst corner in New York City, of just whether it was violence or drugs and all those kind of things. And I said, perfect. That's exactly where we want to have church, <laughs> and that's our goal is to be in in the place that people say, hey, hey. But we say, God, you can still move and see them move in those kids' lives. And yes, the last one there, this is just a testimony. These two young men that are taller and more grown than us, these guys I've had the privilege of being in that neighborhood in Brownsville, Brooklyn is what it's called. It's the neighborhood Brownsville. And for the last 10 years, I've been specifically in that neighborhood. And so these guys were seven and eight years old, and now I've got to walk with them walk out the call of God on their lives, see them graduate from high school just a few days before uh, we got here and, and then have plans to go to college. And it's amazing to see um, what God is doing in their lives as you just walk alongside people. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is it doesn't take a special gift. It doesn't take, you know, a degree or all these kind of things that you could get an urban ministry degree, but did that help me? Did it not? I don't know. I thank God for it. But ultimately, the, just being faithful and walking alongside people, incarnational living, the same way Jesus walked with the disciples, that's what it is, just to walk alongside them and see the power of that in their lives, of how they come to you in their time of need, of how they ask you, of how you can walk along and see transformational uh, lives. Makai, the real tall guy here um, next to Shannon, um, he, he doesn't have a father and it's meaningful when on Father's Day, his mom texts me and says, Happy Father's Day. Thank you for being there for Makai. That's, that's what it's about, right? That's what I believe God has placed me in for such a time as this, to just to be a, have a heart of the Father uh, for the boys and girls of New York City and to see uh, God use me and just being faithful and consistent and, and being in their lives. And so... That's part of, uh, yeah, the journey there. And it's, it's amazing now, 20 years in, seeing that and having people come up to you all the time and just say, like, I remember when I was a kid. And they're now grown adults, and I'm trying to remember. Like, I'm trying to remember some of y'all, Brittany. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I remember y'all. Wait a minute, right? So, um, yeah, but there's stories after stories that um, I could tell you guys. Let me, let me tell a couple more, and then I just want to share a couple of words for, uh, with you for a minute. Um, one uh, is very interesting. Some of these, I hope you guys uh, see what it is. But we have so many different people in New York City. We were talking about diversity and all this craziness. And uh, there's Muslim families that will sometimes come to, our, to what we do. And for whatever different reasons. And we do home visitations as well alongside it. So at one point, I was doing a home visitation uh, inside uh, this family's home. Knocked on the door. They invited me in, come in. I mean, they're so, hospita so hospitable. They're like, what do you want? We can feed you. We could this, that, that. Um, but it's just great time interacting with uh, the parents, mom and dad. Uh, his story about how he came from Yemen in 1980. And he was on his way to Canada. And then he just... Stopped in New York City and never left. <laughs> so it was very interesting to see his story and, and his mom's and his kids. And just showing their, uh, the kids love. And the parents are like, we just want them to learn 
you know, I think they kind of learn what we teach in America, what other people do, but I love it because it's the opportunity to share Jesus with them, right? And um, by the end, end of the visit, I said, bye, okay, we'll see you guys again, we'll see you next week, we love you guys, da-da-da. And the littlest kid comes up to me and he goes, bye, Jesus. <laughs> and, and I think, and at that time I didn't get my hair. I'm starting to go my, get, get my hair back to the Jesus length. No, but at that time I had just had a clean cut and a hat on. But I thought it was interesting at the same time. Hilarious, but at the same time, maybe the only Jesus that he sees, right? Maybe the only, hey, this is Jesus <laughs> living and breathing in Josh, through Josh. And so it, it was a testimony to me, even an encouragement to me in that moment. Um, and then kind of on the other side of it, there, there's a family. Um, they're actually grandparents that bring their two granddaughters. And they got tattoos all over, which nothing wrong with tattoos. I mean, I'm not going to preach on tattoos or anything. But some of them were a little bit, uh, let's say, demonic, we'll say. Uh, right? Like, definitely. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but they're good people. Loved them. All this kind of stuff. On, on the outside, you might think, uh, what's, what's up with them? But a great interaction with the, the grandpa and the grandma. And so I went into the house. Um, this is sometimes when it rains outside, we say, hey, we're still going to be out there. But we'll come and bring a part of the lesson inside and still teach the kids. And, and it's great because then we're right there with the parents as well. And all that kind of stuff. And you, you get to be in the home teaching the gospel. And so I'm teaching. We, we have a story. We're teaching the story. I'm like, da-da-da-da-da. Let's pray. We pray in Jesus' name. All this kind of stuff. Um, and then halfway through the story, they, they, it's a little bit scary because there's a couple uh, pit bulls in the house, right? <laughs> and they're, but they're like, they're good. They're good. Don't worry about it. So then halfway through the story, I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm like, yeah, so Jesus, I can't even remember what the exact lesson was. You know, he loves you. He cares about you. Da, 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 da. And then the pit bull starts to growl a little bit. And I was like, oh, yes, Lord. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. And I keep going. And then the grandpa looks over, and he goes, shut up, Lucifer. <laughs> and I thought, okay, now it explains why he was growling. But <laughs> I was like... There's always something interesting and something crazy in New York City, right? So, but um, just, to, just awesome to be, still be in people's homes and around and in communities that most people would say, nah, I don't know, it's dangerous, we don't want to be there, uh, but allow God to use me in those ways and use our team. Um, and so, yeah, just super exciting. Um, I've kind of gone through, I'm still out on the streets with, in Brownsville. Uh, each and every day, uh, or each, each and every week during our outreaches, doing that home visitation, uh, doing Sunday school, we call it Sidewalk Sunday School. Uh, and, but at the same time, have de definitely taken a lot of leadership responsibilities after being there for 20 years. Uh, and so involved heavy in just kind of the steering of the organization and seeing what the next steps are and how to move forward, how to keep Pastor Bill, like, yes, he wants to be on the front line, but try not to get too hurt or shot or whatever it is like this. He's constantly, uh, maybe some of you saw him on social media. He's been in the Ukraine with uh, some of that drama and trying to help the kids there on the front line and on and on. Um, so constantly we're, and, and then he continues to uh, preach around the world a lot of different things, so, or a lot of different places. So um, yeah, it's just been a, a privilege and an honor to be able to help now 
steer the organization really and then lead it into what's next for us. There's been so much um, uh, challenges, of course, through COVID. Uh, at first, you know, everything shut down and then we found out if we do a food pantry, we can be out on the streets. So we got authorized within just a, a few weeks to be out on the streets. I think since COVID, uh, the young lady who runs our food pantry stuff told me that we have served six million pounds of food to over a million people like uh, in the last few years. Uh, so that's another opportunity to just meet needs, but at the same time be present and be able to pray with people and speak truth to people. So... Um, but we're back out on the streets, and then worldwide, the ministry just continues to grow. Doors open. The doors in many countries in Africa continue just to kind of fly wide open just because of, again, the consistency and the, um, the faithfulness of Pastor Bill over through, through the years. In Kenya, we're really heavy into the school system. They've just allowed us to come into several of the uh, provinces there, right into the schools, and preach the message of the gospel uh, do feeding a lot of the kids for the kids is a lot of times their one meal that they get a day is when they come to school and, and attend the metro uh, program so it's amazing to see that um, I know some of you guys know that I was part of going to India before and that's still going strong um, but it's constantly I mean India is always a con there's a lot of persecution so there's always a lot of opposition there but uh, just continues to go forward and all throughout the world and which is 200 I think Pastor Bill even may say at the end of this year, it might be up to 300,000 kids uh, in Sunday school across the world, uh, whether that's the Philippines, Kenya, India, more countries in Africa. I, I can't even keep track, so <laughs> it's just uh, a blessing to be a part of. I always kind of say it is a big ship, and everybody's rowing in the same direction. Just love kids, love Jesus, and uh, keep on sharing the gospel. So that's a little bit of a quick synopsis. Hopefully, well, maybe not so quick. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> All right. But we just wanted to share with you guys just so you kind of um, had an update on what's going on and what's going on in my life. And so um, I just want to speak for a few minutes from the Word of God just to encourage you. And I think hopefully this will encourage you. Um, I'll just pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for Spirit of Christ, uh, church. And as we called it back in the day, and Family Center, thank you for the spiritual family that it is, Father God. Thank you for uh, all the hearts and minds that are here today, Father God, that you brought them each here for this time and for reason. And just ask that your word would speak, Father God, that you would speak. Holy Spirit, have your way. Um, I thank you for the privilege it is to speak your word and speak your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. I don't know if you've ever wished to be uh, live in the Bible times. Anybody like that? Sometimes when you're reading it and you're looking through there, you're like, man, I wish I could just hang out with Jesus and the disciples a little bit. Or maybe some of the prophets, some of those crazy guys in the Old Testament, right? You're like, wow, if I could see fire called down from heaven, all those kind of things, right? And a lot of times we, we want to experience that. I think a lot of us have that desire in us to just, ooh, what would it be like? Um, and the, the thing is, is that... Um, one, as you go through ministry, ministry like that I've found, and I'll speak a little bit from my personal experience, but I think it's, it would even be Christianity in general. As you go through it, the devil is going to work as hard as he can to try to make Christianity or ministry just kind of a routine, something you do instead of something you are. And so I think um, 
that it's, it's, it's easy for us to get in a, into a religious, religious ritual where we just kind of do the things. We kind of come to church on a Sunday. Even sometimes our own personal devotional time that you sit down and you just say, okay, I'm going to read and check off the next, uh, I read these chapters today in the Bible or whatever level it is or wherever, wherever that relates to you. It can become very just kind of ritual. And I believe, though, that more than ever, God wants to have a personal relationship. He wants it to be experiential. He wants you to know him experientially. And I know that sounds very kind of basic and sounds uh, familiar, but I think if we get too used to it, then we're going to lose the heart of what God really wants. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. I'll say it one more time. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. And you've probably heard that before, right? That's something that we kind of just say as when we explain Christianity to somebody is he wants a personal relationship. But he is a personal God. And I think a clear demonstration, one is the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where we have these religious leaders that are like supposed to be in tune, supposed to be loving God, supposed to be serving him, supposed to be telling others about him, you know, going through the word or the, the Torah or whatever, right, all that stuff, and, and talking about that, explaining that to other people. But these religious leaders, they see somebody in need, and they just walk around the need, right? They don't even pay attention to it. Um, and then it takes the Samaritan, somebody that's an enemy, to actually stop and have the eyes to see what God sees in that situation, and so I think Jesus, that's why he constantly challenged us, uh, constantly challenged the religious leaders. And so I look at that as, for me, like I said, saved from the belly of my mother, right? From the womb. <laughs> and so for, for 40 years, I have to constantly realign and recalibrate and bring myself back and saying, Josh, is this a personal relationship with, with, with God at this moment? It's interesting because... Um, the other day, uh, or the other day, it's been about a year now, but we, as a leadership team, we got together and we said, hey, we need a whole new donor management system. Now, I don't have any clue. This is the problem with nonprofits. <laughs> you go to do the ministry, and then there's all this backside of the ministry that you have no idea that goes along with it. And then they say, well, who's going to do the new, who's going who's gonna to oversee the new donor management system? And then they're like, well, all of us look around the table, and then finally we flip a coin, Josh. Wait a minute, I have, no, I have no IT experience. I don't know what it, I, I don't even know what the donor management, that, that. and in, in that moment, there was a bit of like, ah, and then I said, okay, let's go and let's do it. And, and so you just start to figure out, kind of feel your way around it, learn. Good thing we got a few good IT guys um, to support me, and, and it's a teamwork and a team effort. Uh, but in that moment, what I, or not in that moment, about, about a year into it, uh, which just passed here the other day. We were in our church prayer meeting, and I was starting to feel a little bit stressed about it because I was like, it's going to be implemented soon. You know, we're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars that go through this, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And I just kind of felt this pressure, right, so that anxiety, pressure. Anybody ever feel a little bit of that sometimes in life, right? I'm getting a little more grown. I'm starting to feel it now. That I just run around on the back seven acres of 9341 Braden. Now I got a little more pressure, right? Um, but in that moment, God just spoke to me, right? And he brought me uh, to, the, to the verse where it says, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then he kind of slapped me and he said, have you even 
prayed about this situation, about this implementation. And I was like, God, I haven't even talked to you about it. I just kind of took the reins and said, like, okay, we're going to go for it. And that's great. We need sometimes to, you know, like, okay, we're, we can do what we do. We'll put a garage door in. Doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> no YouTube, no nothing. We'll, we'll try it and then we break it. But, <laughs> but, right, so, but at that moment I was like, God, I haven't even come before you specifically with this and saying, God, because it's kind of an IT world, it's not ministry. And I almost separated the two. And that's a tendency for us to kind of segment our lives in some aspect instead of knowing that there's a, he wants a personal relationship with you. He cares personally and intimately about you and what you're going through and what is happening. And so at that moment, I just had to release and say, God, and then I started studying that verse and things were coming out. That's a whole nother sermon for another day. But wow, the peace of God just came upon my heart, my mind, it guarded me, said, no, these thoughts of anxiety, they cannot reside here. And so I encourage you guys, no matter what you go through in each part of your life, go to God in it personally. He wants to know your personal, the word prayer there is an intimate exchange which when I, when I started to study that, like I said, this is the whole sermon by itself, right? It's an intimate exchange, meaning the intimate things that mean so much to me, if I can give them to him, he'll exchange them for what he wants to give. When I give him, okay, God, I'm intimate, I'm facing anxiety, I'm facing stress, whatever it goes through. Sometimes there may be suicidal thoughts, there may be all these things that want to crash in, and you say, no, wait, I can go to you I can intimately share with you the intimate things in my heart, and he cares about it. He, he will exchange beauty for ash, ashes for beauty, right? He gives us joy for mourning. What a beautiful exchange that is. And that's, that's what that word prayer is, intimate exchange. And I thought, wow, God. And so in that moment, again, I was reminded about how personal God is. I brought a little object lesson because we love object lessons. Shan's going to love this one. This was, we, we had just started dating, what was it, two months, three months? Yeah, something like that, right? And it was uh, <laughs> just a couple months in, and it was Christmas time. So, you know, I was like, oh, I really love this girl or like this girl. You know, you're trying to decide, do you say love or like or what it is at that moment? And so I'm like, be careful, don't go. So I wrote her a nice little poem, but not too crazy, but a little crazy. And then at, and then at Christmas time, she must have been taught by Kim Lee, she gave me this scarf. <laughs> Nothing personal. <laughs> and I was like, uh, thank you. <laughs> Well, it still worked out. Praise God, right? But <laughs> so she was probably the right one, a little more cautious three months in, nothing personal. But, um, but how many of you guys know that God, he is a personal God, right? He wants to know us. He wants, he wants to know everything you're going through. He wants to be involved in the little day-to-day -day decisions that you're making. And so I want, you, I want to encourage you guys with that. I, I call their... I, I call their uh, there, uh, I don't know, wow, Josh, come on, slow down, I'm doing the New York, fast. <laughs> I would say that there's three levels of knowing, of knowledge, of knowing, right? And so with that, um, the first one is when you know with your eyes. When you see something, you see it, you kind of recognize it. Uh, and then the second one, you know with your brain. You start to actually engage like, ah, I understand. You know, I could see the Michigan State 
uh, flag up there, but I could just see it. If I had no clue, I mean, if I was from Michigan, you know exactly what this it means. But if you're from another state or maybe from another country, you don't really know what that is, right? You just see it with your eyes. But when you're from Michigan, here in Lansing, East Lansing, your brain starts to work. I know Sparty, I know this, that, whatever, the best, what team, basketball, football, whatever it is, right? However you guys, the debate of all that. So you know a little bit more. You know with your brain. And then there's an experiential knowing. For those of you who went to Michigan State, there was an experience, right? You knew what it meant to be a Spartan. It was a whole nother level, right? Um, one illustration that I use constantly right here is this little baggie. I don't know, anybody seen one of these before? Maybe, maybe not. We have mission groups that come in all the time, and, and I, I like to use this illustration because it illustrates those three levels of knowing, those three no- levels of knowledge. So I ask them, what do you think this baggie is? And somebody said, it's the smallest Ziploc bag in the world, which, yeah, granted it probably is, right? It's small. Um, another, another person said, it's a, I think they were from Canada, a button bag, a button or something. And at first I, but you know how you get a new shirt and you get the little extra buttons in there or whatever it is, right? So a button bag and all that stuff. Well, in New York City, this is a whole different meaning and, and probably here uh, in some aspects. But if you've never seen this, at first you could see it on the ground and walk by it. And that's what you would see, the smallest Ziploc bag, right? You just see it with your eyes. You don't have much knowledge of it. Well, for me, after being in, you know, some of our neighborhoods for a while, there was one time when I walked up to the corner store, or we call it a corner store. I, I, for we, I'm, I'm realizing flashbacks. It's called a party store here, right? <laughs> there's alcohol, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, chips, and whatever else, right? But I do miss the QD chip dip. Wow. Whew, I need a straw. I just drink that. <laughs> so at our party store, or corner store as we call it, um, and one day I went just to, just to go get a soda. I'm sorry, pop. I'm translating again, right? I went to go get a soda, and I put my money on the counter, had my pop, and somebody else put their $5 on the table, like just on the counter, and this was passed over, but with either weed or cocaine in it. And that was at, on the corner store, right out in the open, and I was like, oh, so this is a whole different thing. We call it either a nickel bag or a dime bag, depends on how much it is and all that kind of stuff. So there's a few different levels of understanding what this would mean, right? For a lot of us, we would walk by it and just, oh, that's a cute little plastic bag. For somebody that knows that, hey, that's a little, that has to do with drugs, as I started to walk in some of my neighborhoods, you would see certain areas where there was a lot of them on the ground, and you'd realize, I know what's going on around here. You start to know a little bit more with your mind, right? But then the next level is, Somebody that's experienced this is an experiential knowledge. They know, what, they know what drives them to get this. They know, oh my goodness, they know the feeling it is when they don't have it, when they, ah, when they, they need another fix. They need another high. They can't wait to, whatever it is, maybe go sell their family stuff just so they can get enough money to get that little button bag. But to them, it's totally different. They have an experiential knowledge, right? So there's those three levels of knowledge, and, and you can explain it in so many different ways, whether it's that or even food, right? Where you might, if you never heard the word lasagna, it came from another country, and you heard it for the first time, and you say, yeah, it's food, you just kind of know what it is. You could see a picture of it. But then at the same time, 
if you've seen it before and you know what it is, you know the ingredients, but then if you've tasted it, come on, right? Some of that good stuff. All of a sudden, you want more of it. You know the smell of it. You, you can tell when your mom's cooking it or whoever is, right? And you're like, oh, I can't wait to get some of that. And that's the experiential. I want more of it. And I believe that that's how God wants us to know him, experientially. He wants that personal, intimate relationship, but he wants to experientially know you and you to experientially know him. There was a time um, that we did visitation. Uh, one guy, one, a mom, and she has three girls and one boy. And the one boy's nickname is Choppy. So you know he's exciting. <laughs> Choppy is fun. He's exciting. Uh, actually, all the kids are kind of all over the wall. And we had, we had visitors there from Florida. And um, we went we knocked on the door. And she was like, oh, it's not such a great time. She closed the door. And then, and then she's like, she got herself together. And then she's like, oh, I was just sitting down to have a drink. But you know what? Like, come on in. So we came in. Um, the kids are kind of bouncing all over the wall. Like, it's, it's a little wild, so you can't always know exactly what's going on there. So we were chatting with her and um, uh, our, my visitor from Florida. And then I said, what's, what's great about them is even though it's, it's chaos, I mean, she's a single mom trying to deal with these four kids, trying to figure out life. And um, what's great, though, is that we've taught them the worship song, Jesus at the center of it all, right? And uh, so they say, you know what, let's sing Jesus at the center of it all right now. So in the midst of the chaos, she's like, sometimes I'm driving down the street and listening to other stuff, and they, the kids ask, can we sing Jesus at the center of it all? Right? So it's amazing to see that. And so we started to sing that, and I said, let's just pray, you know, with the family for a moment. And uh, in that moment, we started to pray, and the, the brother from Florida just said, um, you know what, I just want to pray for you, Mom. And he laid his hands on the mom, and all of a sudden he had just a word from the Lord discernment. He said, I just want to pray against the spirit of cancer. And right then in that moment, at first I was like, did they have a side discussion? Because I was like, maybe she shared something, because I have no clue. I haven't, she hadn't shared anything with me. And all of a sudden, that, the Holy Spirit just came into that apartment that looked a little bit like chaotic, right, and all that stuff, and spoke through this man. And she looked at me, and then she's like, Yo, he got me. And I think she knew that it wasn't just this bill from Florida, but that it was God. That God had spoke right into her situation in a personal, direct way. And all of a sudden she said, yeah, my, I just got diagnosed just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I need to pray. And so we started to pray. Uh, and he started to say, you need to for forgive. And she said, you're right, I haven't forgiven my mom, uh, all these things. So we just started to minister to her in that moment. And so seeing how personally intimate that God would. And she, I mean, we keep going back. She's been back and forth with the doctor. We're still praying. And that was just a few weeks ago. So we're saying, all right, God, what are you doing? We keep praying for healing for her. And, and just she doesn't know what's going to happen because she's got her four kids, right? she got all those things. So you guys can join with me too. Pray for her. Jackie is her name. And just keep praying for that family. Um, but to see how she knows, because she's like, wow, wait a minute. God sent this visitor to, from, from Florida. And mind you, he was dealing with his father in Florida that was just about to pass away. In fact, right after that, he was supposed to stay the entire weekend. And he, that was Wednesday. After that, that night, he had to fly back to go see his father to make sure that like, he, he was about to pass away. 
And so it was like God chose just that time for just that amount of time. It was different than his plans, different than her plans, but how God intersects personally in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that, that he wants to be personally involved in your lives. Um, I just want to read a scripture from you and kind of wrap this, wrap this up. Um, from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage or other translations say rubbish, right? That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, experientially know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation even in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's so much packed into that verse. I encourage you guys to go home and, and look over it and read it over and over again. But right there, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. What I've realized over the last 20 years that it's been a privilege to serve. It's been a privilege to see God move. It's been a privilege to just be a part of a, a ministry that's having an impact around the world. But none of that is worth anything if I don't have an intimate knowing of who Jesus is. The word surpassing there is above, far beyond excel. One commentator says it like this, when the sun has appeared, it is a loss to sit by a candle. Everything else is just like a candle compared to the sun, the beauty of who Jesus is, to knowing him, of having that personal relationship with him. That's why even though she gave me a nothing personal scarf, it's not... It's okay. I love her. This is what I know God has designed for me for my, the next decades, right? And it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But still, compared to knowing Christ, there's nothing greater. The degrees, the, the ministry stories, it's great. It's wonderful. I love that God is working in people's lives. But there's nothing more important than knowing Christ in a personal way having that intimate relationship with him. None of it can compare. I'm reminded uh, in Revelation where it talks about the 24 elders where they cast down their crowns, right? They're elders. I can't quite put myself there now, 40, right? I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Would you guys take 40-year-old elders in the church? Maybe, right? I don't know. You guys. But... The elders, those that represent wisdom, those that represent, I mean, they had crowns, authority, all those things. And they just said, none of this is worth it compared to Jesus who sits on the throne. Let me throw down the crown of power, of authority, of what this world considers to be all that. I'm going to throw it down. Not only that, but I'm going to bow down. And I, I was saying just the other day, this is actually what hit me, is 
from Pastor Lewis ages ago when he made an illustration when he got up on the stage and he said, when you bow down, and he got down and he, he said, in that moment, and only in that moment, your head, your eyes, that knowledge goes below your heart. Your heart takes the highest place. Wow. <laughs> and that was 30, I don't know, 35 years, whatever, years ago. But what an amazing truth. When we bow down, when those elders are bowing down, they're putting their heart, that experiential heart connect knowledge. That, and, and knowledge sometimes, because we think of it as a head knowledge, but no, it's an experiential knowledge. I mean, we could go into, in the Old Testament, I mean, Adam knew Eve and then came their kids. That's a different type of knowledge. That's an experiential knowledge, right? Right there. They're knowing, knowing at a heart level, an intimate net level. And that's what he wants above everything else. And so I, I hope this keeps you encouraged. And I'm going to give you just a couple of things. And honestly, I'll be out of here. I know this is probably long, right? I'm like, <laughs> but, but I, I want to give you just a couple of things that how, four ways to keep it personal. Keep it personal. Everybody say, keep it personal. Keep it personal. That's right. That's what he wants, to keep it personal. Number one, look for God at work around you. He's already working all around you, right? He was already setting up that mom, Jackie, to get a word. It was already set it, setting it up. In fact, there's times and times again when I see, okay, God is already working in these kids' lives more than my life. They're ready to, one girl brought a caterpillar. I said, a caterpillar? How do we find a caterpillar? A cat, I see, I can't even say it anymore. A caterpillar in the hood? Like, where did you find this? And she said, it's so beautiful, though. Look at God. He created this. And I said, and you guys know what the caterpillars do? Yeah, they turn into butterflies. And I said, they're born again. They're teaching me born again. That's how God, the kids are teaching me, right, in these moments. And it's beautiful to see that he's already at work. So sometimes we go into a ministry situation or we go into a situation and God uses it actually to minister to us more than that. I could tell you another one when we had this message about giving your heart to Jesus. It was at Christmas time, this last Christmas. And we were like, he wants, Jesus wants your heart. And so before, afterwards, I was talking to a girl that came late. I said, let's talk about the lesson a little bit so you can hear what the word of God, was. what we taught today. And I said, I, I, I thought I was kind of slick. I said, do you know what God wants for Christmas? Do you know what Jesus wants for Christmas? And I'm like, yeah, he wants your heart. She's not going to say it. So I said first, I was like, you think he wants a pair of Air Jordans? You know, he wants some new shoes? She looks at me like, nah, bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? And then I said, what, what else? do you think he wants this, that? And she's like, no. And I said, so what does he want? And I'm saying he wants your heart. And she says, he wants a family. And I thought, oh, God. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, right, that they ministered to me. And I, I thought I was going in there to say he wants your heart. She knew that. She's like, my heart is God's, right? She said, no, he wants a family. He wants all of us together, loving him, serving him, right? And I said, wow, God. So look at God at work already around you, right? Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. You can look at him. That's why I love coming out here, breathing fresh air, seeing the beauty of God's creation. We get a little bit in New York, but not much, right? So... Um, look at God already at work around you. Number two, rehearse the times that he has been personal in your life. 
Don't just forget those times. It's easy for us as humans just to forget, put it in the past. Oh, that was God. That was great. No, rehearse the times when he met you all in Shaw Hall, right? Talk about that. I wish I could be here for the memorial. But that's remembering all the good things that God has done. That's another part of it, rehearsing the times. Uh, Psalms 77 says, I will also meditate on all your work. I will talk of your deeds. Talk about it. Share it. Remember, tell the next generation. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done from Psalm 78. Uh, rehearse the times that he has already been personal in your life. It's going to connect you again to how personal he is. Number three, ask God to make his word come alive to you. This is where it's at, right? Right here, his word is packed full of goodness, of so many personal things that'll hit you, and the same verse will hit you five different times at five different seasons of life, right? So get into that word of God. Ask him to make it. I always go back to Job 37 where it says, at this my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, his word, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. It's a rumbling. It'll strike your heart in a new way. It'll get your heart ignited on fire again to love him more. And the fourth one is talk to God all the time. Now, this might be a little harder here in New York. We can talk to ourselves and nobody looks at you like nothing. <laughs> you can walk down the block because everybody's talking to themselves. Whether you're crazy or sane, we're still talking to ourselves. But talk to the Lord all the time. Just make it personal. The little things that you go through in life. When you're on your drive to work, talk to them. When you're on your way home, when you're running an errand, when you can't find what you want to find on Amazon or I don't know what it is, just talk to God through each and every single moment of it. I love, I think it's Misty Edwards, right? He says he's as close as conversation. That's it. You just start a conversation and he's right there. He's right there. He's so personal. He's good. And I love that as you talk to him, I don't know if you guys know that feeling when you can tell that somebody's just smiling at you. Maybe you don't know, and then you look and you, you can feel that smile, right? Like that's, that's how personal it is between you and God. Make it personal with God. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my favorite things is because my dad was a worship leader, I have so many songs that just are kind of plugged into my brain, right? Plugged into there. But there's times um, when I all of a sudden just kind of have a, for lack of a better word, flashback on those. And uh, when I was preparing this, uh, a song came up from, I'm sure it's 90s, maybe 2000s, from Gra Graham Kendrick, which was called Knowing You. And these are the words. All I once held dear built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. That's what it's about. It's about being personal. And so in the midst of everything else that's going on, I want you guys to take that moment, even just now, let's just take just a moment that you have a heart connect with God. It's okay, we don't need the music or we don't need anything else in a moment, but just take a moment and 
connect your heart one more time, and then I'll just pray to close this. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that your presence is real. We thank you that you are so close, so near. I thank you that you've designed everything in our lives to draw us close, draw us near to you. The times, the seasons, the people, and you're constantly drawing us near. So, Father, I thank you that you will be even more nearer, even more dearer to my friends, my brothers and sisters here today, Father God. Father, I thank you for your desire to intimately know each one of us. And so, Father, I pray for each and every one, no matter where they're at in life, what they're going through, what situations are in front of them that they would come to you, that they would call out to you. Father, I thank you that your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Your nearness is a gift. And so I pray that your nearness would be a gift to each and every single one of my brothers and sisters here this week as they leave from this place and, and as they go out, Father God, and as they go about what can become so just ritualistic and routine through the week, Father, I pray that your nearness would be a gift, that you would give them reminders, again, of how you're so near and intimately want to know them and talk to them and be a part of their lives. And not just a part, but all-consuming part of their lives. Thank you, Father God, for doing what only you can do. Thank you for being a God who is high and lifted up, who does sit on the throne, but who bends down and listens to his children. You are such a good father. You are perfect in all your ways. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless